From the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. Right, here we go on a Monday, Cofield and Company. Adam Candy is the company. Ari is running the show. Big day today. We're going to head out at uh, 5 o'clock to L.A. for the national title game of the uh, CFP. Candy, you fired up. I know uh, this wasn't the biggest college football season for you. Where are you on Georgia and TCU? And uh, do you need the big boys, like the biggest of the big boys, in a title game for it to feel like it has some zip? No, no, absolutely not. This is perfect because what we get is we get the potential for a dynasty because we've never had a team repeat in the CFP era. Or we get the potential for, I'm not going to call it an ultimate underdog, but I think it's the most realistic underdog we could possibly see, right? Like TCU comes from a Power 5 conference, but is not what you think of as a Power 5 program. So you're going to get one of those good stories out of this. So for me, that's more than enough. Yeah, I think this was a wonderful season, and I would love to see it capped with an awesome game and a TCU upset. I don't think that's going to happen. I think it could be a good game. I don't think TCU will pull off the upset. And then... We'll get into the the dynasty stuff. I mean, this is pretty impressive from Georgia. I think was it you last year when when people were saying that Kirby Smart had caught up to Alabama? Were you pushing back on that last year? Or was it a, was it another member of the company? I mean, I think I would have pushed back a little bit uh, on the idea at the time because we're still looking at essentially the same recruiting class in a lot of spots here. Although they did have to replace a lot of guys on defense uh, on, you know, who went to the NFL. So, you know, I, I hear that. <laughs> you know, the crazy thing is uh, what they're going to have to replace this next offseason should be pretty easy. But when you're talking about a guy who uh, appears to be 33 years old as a quarterback, but Stetson Bennett um, has not been easy to replace. No one's overtaken him when they tried to bring in guys to overtake him like JT Daniels. He held on to his job, so that's a good storyline for the offseason. But looking forward to the start of the game right around 4.45, uh, 5 o'clock here on ESPN Las Vegas National Title Game. Uh, Willie Ramirez is on the road today. He's at Twin Peaks, our normal Monday night football spot throughout the NFL season. And they've got all their great drink specials, big beers under 4 bucks, select appetizers, 2 4 and $6. And, of course, uh, scenic views with the 29-degree beers. That's Twin Peaks with Willie to watch TCU and Georgia duke it out for the national title, again, Twin Peaks in Eastern, or check that, on Eastern, uh, the Henderson and Vegas border. That's what I'll call it, Candy. That's what I'll call it. All right, let's get into what happened with the uh, Raiders' close to the season. Not the most competitive effort for Kansas City, or against Kansas City, so we'll kind of sweep that under the rug. It is now time to start looking at the Raiders' offseason, which I think a lot of us have been looking at it from about five weeks back. Today is Black Monday, so we got all these coaches being fired, right? Lovey Smith and the Texans, that's a weird one. Back-to-back hmm? uh, -back years, they fired a coach who was in charge of a tank. I don't really get – I mean, I guess we kind of knew it coming in that maybe Lovey was just a, a one-year guy. It's still, from an image standpoint, pretty bad looking, no, Candy? Oh, of course it's bad looking, but I think you also have to have a long enough memory to go back to when Lovey was hired – and he was being talked about as a one-year guy yeah. when he came in here. Like This is not a shocker in terms of what the industry expectation was for Lovey Smith. And the shocking part, though, is that it got out that ownership had the meeting with Lovey on Saturday night, which we don't know what the contents of it were, but we certainly know that Lovey came out and won a game that I don't think a whole lot of people in Houston wanted him to win on Sunday. What do you think happened? I think football players are not wired to lose games. That's right. it. 
Football players are absolutely not wired to lose games. And most importantly, there was a team on the other side of the field that also really wanted to lose. And if there was one tanky looking play all day long, the fourth and 20 pass that went through the hands of the Indianapolis defensive back, Indy tanked better than Houston did. It's pretty crazy. An organization that's absolute crap like the Texans. If Do you think Lovey would be insubordinate and vocalize it to his players? Would he make it that obvious? I don't know that you really need to. Right? I mean, look at what they've been throwing out there all season, right? You know ownership doesn't want this team to win. Like, Steve, you and I watch a lot of NFL football. And the first time I sat down to watch a Texans game this year, I was like, who the hell are these guys? I couldn't recognize <laughs> half the roster. And I yep. feel like they actually at least have a good sense of, the, you know, the starters on most teams. Yeah, in a way, if, if Lovey went in there and he was like, screw these guys. Screw them. They want you to lose. Let's overcome. Let's win this game. It would be a great storyline. I don't think that would stay in a locker room for very long. But I will tell you, if anyone deserves to have it shoved in their freaking face, it's Texans ownership. Um, and I'm already seeing the reports that Shane Steichen, the Eagles OC, people know him locally because he was a quarterback with UNLV. Now, I don't expect Shane Steichen to go, nope. Now, not interested because he's got to get in to this interview cycle, which sometimes takes two and three years for guys to, to break through. They got to get a bunch of interviews, and then finally they get a head coaching job. And he's the OC with the Eagles. If I were Shane Steichen and I were looking at Cal McNair and Nick Casario and hearing stories of Nick Casario talking down the line on the headsets during the game, uh, that's a job I interview for, but... Boy, oh boy, I got to think long and hard about walking into that you-know-what show. Oh, how long ago was it that we were talking about Pastor Jack? Jack Easterby and all yeah. his influence in the organization before he suddenly disappeared this year. Uh, look, McNair's kid doesn't know what he's doing. That much is obvious. The organization is a disaster, but I will say that they are going to have at least the number two pick yeah. in the draft, and they're going to get a franchise quarterback. And look, it wasn't that long ago that Deshaun Watson had this team in the playoffs before everything went sideways. Black Monday also includes the firing of Cliff Kingsbury. Not a shocker there. We'll get into the quality of the Cardinals job. So management with the Raiders is staying around. Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, as far as we know, unless something changes in the next couple of days. Derek Carr looks to be the victim of Black Monday for the Raiders. Should he be the lone person? Of course not. But he's the easiest person. And because he's the easiest person, he's going to go. And we know that's how it works. And the funny thing is, how many times do we do this discussion, Steve, when teams underperform and we say, well, you can't fire the players, so you fire the coach. <laughs> not here. Well, no, you know what we're doing this time? We're firing the players. Yep. We're firing the quarterback, yep. and the coach gets to stay. This is the one situation where the quarterback had no guaranteed money left on his contract, and there's a whole lot of money left for both the star receiver and for both the coach and GM. Adam Candy, Steve Cofield, wrapping up the uh, Raiders season, wrapping up the NFL season. We'll start looking ahead to the playoff numbers in just a couple minutes. Giveaway time right now. Caller 7, Collective Soul is in town playing the Palms. 
at the Pearl, 364-1100, caller 7-364-1100. On the way back, we will get you uh, further ready for the national title game by getting the scene set from our L.A. guy, our Vegas guy sometimes as well. Arash is in. Want the skinny on UNLV football? Listen to the weekly UNLV All Access podcast with Cofield and Caleb Herring. A new episode drops each Thursday morning at UNLV All Access on Twitter. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Big event in L.A. today, so that means uh, all big events go through Arash Markazi from the Sporting Tribune, formerly of ESPN, formerly of the L.A. Times, our buddy here, Mr. Vegas at times, as well as he covers both of the markets. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. Yeah, big championship Monday. Well, you know, I want to get into the, the placement of these big championship events in uh, in Los Angeles and, and Vegas in a couple of minutes because we're kind of, you know, partner cities in that. But first of yeah. all, I mentioned the Sporting Tribune. For people who don't know what that is, it's a, a startup. But tell me about it. And you've got a looks like you got correspondence in all the important cities around the country. Yeah, it's a um, it's a website. It's a platform. We got podcasts. We got shows. Uh, we have Steve Carp out there uh, being our voice of Las Vegas. I come out there, as you know, as as you know, I try to get out there at least once a month sometimes more. Um, I'm out here in Southern California. We cover Hawaii. The reason for that um, that footprint is the regional sports networks. That's where uh, they are broadcasted. So Spectrum Sportsnet, for example, their broadcast home is Southern California, Las Vegas, Hawaii. So that's where we, uh, those are the teams that we cover and uh, looking forward to kind of continuing to grow uh, the brand really because as we've talked about for the past couple of years and we're seeing it play out that that that, that, that the 270 miles that connect Los Angeles plus Las Vegas which is now Steve a 39 minute flight it's crazy um you know <laughs> home of the Super Bowl the Pro Bowl college football national championship game final for uh, World Cup Olympics all these things so yeah and really, sports in general kind of needs us. And I'll roll in with uh, I'll roll in Phoenix, even though it's not part of your footprint with yeah. the Sporting Tribune. You know, the, the three cities for hosting big events keeps the West involved in these things. And I think tonight's a little bit of a weird setup because without West Coast representation, um, you know, it has a different feel in L.A. And I, I wonder, what are you hearing in terms of fans getting out to Los Angeles from Georgia and from Dallas? You know, so here's the thing. And I tweeted this out right before we hopped on, I, I think, because a lot of I'm not saying that they're new to the college football playoff, but I mean, I've been very fortunate to cover them for the past seven years now. Uh, there's a, a few things about it that I don't particularly like, but it is what it is. They always stage the game on a Monday night. It is a Monday night affair that they like to do following the end of the regular season. It is a 4.30 Pacific time kickoff. Now, when I say 4.30 Pacific time, that's kind of the pregame activities and stuff like that. The actual kickoff will be around 5 p.m. Pacific time. And then there's no no tailgating. And I don't know why the college football playoff committee decided this. I think that they like to sell – that space for partner tailgates, like activation, fan fest, and things like that. What I've seen happen, and this will probably happen in a few years when they stage the game in Las Vegas unless they change things, what the heck is the game doing on a Monday? What the heck is it doing kicking off at 4.30 p.m. Pacific? What the heck? No tailgate? We love tailgate. Like None of that has to do with Los Angeles. None of that has to do with SoFi. The closest comparison I can tell you is when the game was staged at Santa Clara, it was a disaster. But, Steve, a lot of that has to do with 
I mean, Santa Clara is just a bad place for that game. I mean, there's nothing happening there. Um, it's, I mean, there's just, it's a terrible place for a football stadium. Now they make it work with San Francisco for a pro football game. But, um, listen, when you build a SoFi stadium, when you're in Los Angeles and you're Hollywood and all that good stuff, you're going to stage this game. Now, I don't know when this game is going to come back. Um, it'll be a a, a lot of years now. Uh, I, I do think that this game will be staged in Vegas. Now it was supposed to go to Vegas in 20. Six or 27? 25. 25. Yeah, 25. And so they'll kick the can down the road. It will be in Vegas. And by the way, my view is I think it makes more sense in Vegas really because of the strip. And, you know, we've joked about the Hacienda Bridge, the Hosh. But, you know, what that effectively allows you to do is you don't really have to tailgate. You can have a good time, like, on the strip, walk across the bridge, go to the game, post-game walk across the bridge we really don't have that at sofi it is yep. it is there's nothing there now they're trying to build it out steve i mean they have the hollywood park casino in a couple of years they're gonna have like storefronts and places to go like grab a bite but it's not gonna be the strip it's not gonna be anything great but i think you're right in the sense that if they're gonna keep the day in time if it's gonna continue to be a monday game that's kicked off at 430 Pacific. That's just a tough thing to do here. Right. Arash is with us. Um, and I'm glad you mentioned right out of the gates on the tailgating thing. So, again, there's no tailgating at the yeah. game tonight as a TCU and Georgia kickoff around 445, uh, 445, 5 o'clock at SoFi, that it was the CFP because the same thing yeah. happened in the past in Miami and, say, yeah. like Indy, but no one noticed in Indy because it was 5 degrees and no one wanted to <laughs> exactly. tailgate. But I saw immediately – the grifter D bags in places like Georgia, <laughs> the governor, uh, MGT, like did they and Ted Cruz jumped. Ted Cruz actually retweeted three year Letterman, which is a fake parody account, That's dumbass, so and and latched on to that. Like, yeah, you're right. We need legislation to force um, tailgating. <laughs> it's 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 the CFP. It's their decision to not allow tailgating. But there, but uh, you mentioned a very important issue for big events and even for the pro football games. There does have to be an, some sort of plan to build out something around SoFi, like a lot more around SoFi, oh, yeah. because it feels like you just you drop in for the game, you walk in, and then you get the hell out of there as quickly as possible. To me, that's that's not really the point of a stadium development. There's got to be a whole development. Yeah, and so they are planning to do that. How long that takes, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, th- that will change over time. Again, the Clippers... Like the Intuit Dome, $2 billion home of the Clippers will be built once that's built. Both of those facilities, SoFi and the Intuit Dome, want mixed-use things there. They, they want right. you to park your car, go, go grab a drink, go grab a bite. That'll change over time. That being said, I mean, if you travel around the countries, I mean, I would say about half the stadiums in the league – have a very similar – they plop that stadium down in the middle of nowhere, and there's not yep. a whole lot to do there. Yeah, I mean, public money, and it's generally spent – public money should no longer be spent on just a stadium. It's the dumbest yeah. thing ever, and to plop it in to an area or a neighborhood that's isolated – Santa Clara, is the, it, that's one of the worst use it's of terrible. money ever. It's it's incredibly, incredibly stupid. Arash is with us as we're getting ready for the uh, big national title game in Los Angeles. Um, I'm glad you mentioned uh, – or I, I guess I hit it. I'm glad I mentioned uh, – the Rams and the Chargers. Uh, not only do, you know, does Dan Kroenke want more around his stadium, he's got something really big planned for – uh, your old neck of the woods in the valley. I was just there yeah. over Christmas, and it was kind of surreal looking at some of those mall areas. 
in Woodland Hills and thinking there's going to be a sprawling, gigantic football campus with the Rams. Yeah, and so they've been looking to do that for quite some time. I am amazed that they moved here, I believe, in 2016, and just now they are about to, and I don't even know if they've broken ground yet, but about to break ground on a uh, practice facility, headquarters, mixed use in Woodland Hills. And, you know, we both spent a lot of time in Woodland Hills. I spent a ton of time within the mall that they're planning to do this at. Uh, again, the blueprint would be Jerry's uh, – you know, Cowboys facility in Frisco, where it's right, not right. just a practice facility. It's a gym. It's a restaurant. It's a hotel. It's a place where high school teams can play their championship games and big games and things like that. So um, they're planning to do that. The Chargers have broken ground on something similar in the South Bay. Um, again, both of these teams for their entire times in Los Angeles have been practicing at temporary places, which is amazing when you consider the Rams – played in two Super Bowls and won one, really mostly in these – I mean, they're not even pro football standard practice facilities, but you right. know, happy to see right. that. You know. Yeah, makeshift, uh, makeshift facilities. Yeah. Um, the other thing I'm concerned about tonight is the attendance. Um, I looked at the secondhand market, and it seems like – well, the prices are up there, but I'm very leery about prices now in the secondhand market. I think there's something yeah. shifty going on. And downstairs looked like it was about uh, 1200 on up. Upstairs, when I looked 50 yard line upstairs, it was $350. And I've been to SoFi, you cover games all the time at SoFi. High up is not a terrible seat because you have the band of uh, screen there. Are there really going to be 70, 80,000 at the game tonight? Are we kind of getting duped by the the reseller market and we're going to walk in and then all of a sudden there's going to be 25,000 empty seats? No, no, no. It'll be full, but it'll be full because it's the college football playoff national championship game. I mean, again, if you have enough money, there's always tickets available. So, I mean, I wouldn't be duped to think just because the ticket's for sale, it's not going to be used or not going to be uh, purchased. That being said, um, listen, when this game turned – and I like the TCU story. TCU doesn't have the same kind of alumni and attendance in right. Michigan does. So when Michigan was eliminated, the price dropped down. Prior to the semifinal games, the cheapest ticket for the championship game was around $1,000. As you mentioned, that that price has significantly gone down. There's no concern when it comes to a college football playoff championship game attendance. There's no concern with the Super Bowl. The concern is with these other events that they're trying to host, and we could kind of touch on that. I mean, I have no idea what the Pro Bowl games is. I, right. I, and, and I think if you're a fan, I, I would be very skeptical of, of, of you know, pulling out my credit card and, and, and I, I don't know what it is. And again, Steve, I was at the game a year ago. I bought a ticket for my fiance and she said, I had no idea this was a two hand touch game. And I said, I, I, I don't think it is. And, <laughs> and that's what it was. It was a two hand touch game. I know. I was there. Arash, yeah. I was there. I bought it. I think I needed one ticket. Uh, to get in, and I bought something for like 175 bucks, and then I walk in, I sit down, I'm like, all right, there's 30,000 people here. What just happened? Yeah. Why did I pay this much money? And then on the fly, the players basically decided we're not going to tackle each other. Yeah. Uh, so now they've made it official. Now now it is going to be some sort of flag deal, but it's an event. So I would assume that, uh, that the ticket prices won't be that high. But to your point, does that sort of event need a stadium that holds 65,000? I, yeah, I, I mean, wonder about that one. I think, I, yeah. I think both cities... It's going to sound weird. I think both cities need to be a bit choosy about the events they host, you know, if they're truly not going to work. Because my worry, and I don't know if this is the case in L.A., I think it is. My worry is if you're looking for like 60 or 70 percent locals to show up to big events, yeah, they may not show up. 
Well, what they have to do a better job, Steve, is making it uh, that if you're a local that, you know, whether it's a local discount, whether it's going to schools, because here's the thing. When you have, uh, again, and we've talked about this before, the conference championship game, the Pac-12 conference championship game in football this year did well because it was USC, not only a USC, a top four potentially playoff bound USC Heisman trophy quarterback, Utah close enough driving wise, that game did well. I'm telling you, if it was Washington state and someone else, like it would not have done well. And, yep. and but the reason that they can't be choosy though, Steve, is that, is that you have this big 65,000 seat stadium that you have to put enough events there that like, like even if it's half empty, it's still thirty five thousand people, and that's the thirty five thousand people who need a beer, who need soda, who need food, drink, things like that. So, right. again, like like all the events that they host there are not going to be sold out. Like the Shrine Bowl, Shrine Game. I mean, that that'll happen before the Pro Bowl. It'll be half. I mean, not half empty. They hope it's half empty. It'll be like ten thousand people there, but you have to host events there. Touche. Very nice job. Um, Vegas actually told the uh, CFP they couldn't do the game, as you mentioned, yeah. at the start of the conversation uh, because the CFP was inflexible. They wanted to do it in 2025 and same week as CES and the powers in Vegas were like, nope, sorry. Nothing's bigger than you know, CES. Maybe it the is. Super Bowl, maybe yeah. the Super Bowl, but nothing, yeah. nothing is as big for us as a convention like CES. The two, the two places that Las Vegas flexed and they've been so conducive to like, we want sports, we want these big events. Uh, they, they were not flexible with that and CES is massive. So again, if you're in Vegas, yep. you know that. I don't need to tell you that. The other event that I thought would have done well, but they could not, I mean, it, it was going to cost too much and they could not get a confirmation of what game that they were going to get would have been the World Cup. And they've hosted enough big soccer matches, Steve, that I know it would have been the best of one of the best World Cup uh, places to host a game. It was going to cost them a ton. And they really were like, okay, like we'll do it if we get a semifinal. We'll do it if we can get a final. Right. They couldn't get any confirmation. So, it, I mean, they could have spent a ton of money hosting like a first round game or something like that. Uh, NFL to close out here with the Rocks yep. as the national title game's going down uh, right after Cofield and company coming up kickoff in uh, roughly an hour, hour and in 20 minutes. Um, I always ask about buzz with the Chargers. Is it picking up a little bit? Or are we still, I mean, it looked like most of the year this year for the Chargers games, it was kind of a split crowd. Yeah. Um, now that they're in the playoffs, it's kind of hard to believe with Justin Herbert, they hadn't made it before this, but they're in the playoffs. Media wise, is there going to be a buzz? Fan wise, is there a buzz? Not a big buzz, Steve, but it's more of a buzz when the Rams are not there. So this, I mean, they've really not had this moment. I mean, their, their last time in the playoffs was the year the Rams went to the Super Bowl, lost to the Patriots. But again, they've never had the stage to themselves. So for the first time this Saturday going to Jacksonville and they have a chance to win that game, now they have a chance to kind of get that Um no, listen, I mean, it, it, they're, they're not Los Angeles' team. I think both teams in Los Angeles, I mean – the amazing thing with the, the, the Rams is they won the Super Bowl, Steve, but they've had many games this season where it was the, the same thing, 50-50 crowds or more of the opposing fans. So it's, it's just going to take some time. All right, Arash, enjoy the game tonight. We appreciate the preview. Sporting Thank Tribune, tell, tell everyone where they can find the uh, Sporting Tribune. TheSportingTribune.com and Sporting Trib on all socials, but TheSportingTribune.com. Wednesdays, it's the Kevin Kruger Radio Show at 5 p.m. on Raider Nation Radio 920 a.m. Really, Raider fans? Really, Josh McDaniels? 
We're okay with the Kansas City Chiefs playing ring around the rosy on our field, going out and scoring the next damn play. You're okay with this? You're okay with ring around the rosy? What the hell? Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. The very notable and famous Joe Morley Sports up on TikTok. Uh, news just in, the Raiders have now banned Joe Morley from TikTok. So, sorry about that, Joe. Uh, yeah, there was a little flap over the weekend with some signage at the Al. We'll get into that later in the week. Thanks to Arash for checking in from the Sporting Tribune. We'll continue to get you ready for the national title game, which is coming up here in about uh, 85 minutes or so. Candy, Cofield, maybe Joe Morley is a future company member, has some passion, right? Why not? Uh, speaking of company members, Candy, um, writer of the year by one organization is given to Adam Hill, our own Adam Hill. Willie Ramirez from Cofield and Company was also a top five nominee amongst the writers, but yeah, Adam Hill. The winner is Nevada 2022 Writer of the Year. As awarded by Steve Cofield, I assume. No, not at all. What do you mean? Oh, you mean by the by the National Sports Writers and Sportscasters Association? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Good for Adam. Good for Adam. Good for Adam. I will, <laughs> I will wait, fill wait, wait. the job. What John are you accusing Murray. me of? I will fi- I, you didn't say who gave him the award. You just made it sound like there was an award. Like you went down to the trophy store and like took off the like, you know, congratulations on adulting plaque. I'll be, and, and I'll be honest. The, like, I didn't I didn't remember the name of the organization. I subscribed to the organization, so I paid a vote like everyone else does, but I could not remember the name of it. It just came out about thirty seconds before we came back. But yeah, Adam Hill winner and Willie was a top five nominee. Well, I'll play the role of John Murray here for a minute and just commend Adam, the hardest working man in show business, for uh, for being recognized for his good work on the Raiders and on the Knights and, of course, on UFC. Good for good for him. Yes, yes. Ring around the rosy, heard around the world. What the hell? How about Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes just kind of sticking their fingers right in the eyes of the Raiders? Is that a revenge for the John Gruden bus ride around Arrowhead? You know, I don't know why that sticks with them so badly, but man, do the Chiefs hate this Raiders organization. They never lose. What are they? Are they now? Am I correct? With Mahomes, are they now twenty-seven and three in the division? They never lose twenty-seven and three. Derek Carr beat them once, and everyone remembers the game, and that was the one and only time. Even though they came close a couple of times, yeah. like yes, they never lose. But in particular, do you ever hear Patrick Mahomes getting up for? The Denver Broncos getting up for the Chargers. No, you only hear those quotes from Patrick Mahomes coming into Raiders games. And so I'm not at all shocked that they decide to pull out the, the ring around the Rosie. I'll tell you something, Joe Morley Sports. I enjoyed the hell out of it because the Chiefs are making the game fun. It's week 18. There's so little that's enjoyable about week 18 as we try to figure out who actually still cares about the game. The Chiefs are having a good time out there. Good for them. They're having a good time. Too too good a time. A twenty-seven and three against the division. So, uh, game was not competitive. I thought it had a chance to be, but Chiefs took care of business. They had a lot to play for that number one seed, and we'll see how it plays out. Now, maybe the Chiefs are back here in Vegas. They haven't picked a neutral site yet, right? I wonder when the uh, decision time is for that. It's it's just one scenario, right? If the Chiefs and the Bills make the title game, then they will go neutral site. Well, yeah, now we have the setup where Bills and Bengals have to play each other prior to that if they both make it that far. So you don't have to worry about those two meeting in a potential championship game. And I, I don't know, Steve, I, I can't think of a better place than the Al. What, why wouldn't it be the Al? It's 
It's where everyone wants to come. Bills and Chiefs, though, I mean, for the fans, I would like it to to be a little more travel-friendly. I'm all about Vegas getting big events. We can always use them, and we want as many events as possible in the Al. But if I am objective on this, I would think there are some other sites closer to home. I saw that Indy was asked about it, which I don't understand the draw of Indianapolis. That's a, Again, that's an Adam Hill thing, which maybe is why I didn't vote for him as writer of the year. I didn't get my vote based on that Indianapolis love. Kidding. Um, but I, I, I think for the fans, it would be cooler for we're in that area, like in, you know, in the Midwest or Eastern region of the country, you know? Of course it would be better, right, in terms of geography. But right now, if you asked someone who lives in Buffalo and said, all right, you can go to the AFC Championship game, you got to get on a plane, right? You're not driving from Buffalo to Indianapolis. You're going to have to get on the plane and go somewhere. Do I care if I'm on the plane for an extra two hours if that plane flies directly over Indianapolis and lands in Las Vegas? <laughs> no, I think I'm pretty happy about that as yeah. opposed to all of the writers who get all geeked up over how convenient everything is for the Combine. This ain't the Combine. It's the AFC Championship game. Nobody cares. Yeah. We, uh, You'd like to have nice, nicer weather, guaranteed nicer weather. Vegas is almost you know, guaranteed to be nicer than most Midwest spots. Although the weather's kind of funky this this weekend, the last couple of days, um, and you'd also like to have pristine conditions, or is that different for a Bills fan who would like this game to be outside if they get to the game against the Chiefs? Uh, I think we probably have to let go of the idea of what they would want and what is fair and what is right because this year, right. it just is. It just is. We dealt with it during the COVID year. We're going to deal with it because of Demar Hamlin's situation. We'll just deal with it and if we get the kind of game we got out of Kansas City and Buffalo last year I don't care where they play it that was the game of the damn century coming up let's get John Von Tobel in here full preview of the uh, betting props of the side and the total for Georgia and TCU which is on the way in less than 80 minutes want the skinny on UNLV football listen to the weekly UNLV all access podcast with Cofield and Caleb Herring a new episode drops each Thursday morning at UNLV all access on Twitter it's Cofield and Company's eye on sports betting with John Von Tobel JVT is in on this Monday, as he always is. We got the national title game coming up, college football, shortly before 5 o'clock, Georgia and TCU. JVT, what's going on, buddy? Candy's here, too. What's going on, guys? It's uh, nice weather out today, huh? It's okay. I can deal with it. You know, we need the rain, right? We need the rain. Don't get all gloomy and depressed. You can, you can, uh, you can survive it. Come on. Let's go. No, actually, I, I enjoy the rain and the weather. I don't enjoy people driving in this weather, but yes. actually, I love the, uh, the rain uh, any chance, what are the odds uh, that all three of us, Candy, JVT, and Cofield, have adequate wipers on our cars right now? Oh, that's pretty low, right? Especially because they dry out, so I just assume the chances are pretty low that all three of us have them. Mine, mine suck. It sounds like yours suck. Candy? I replaced them last month because they were so damn bad. That's awesome. I'm so proud of myself right now. Uh, can I come over tomorrow morning? Can we book a time so you can change mine out? Absolutely. Prepayment is oh, really? required. Prepayment? Oh, no. That's uh, actually the real question is who yeah. can adequately replace windshield wipers because my wife was amazed that I could do it on my own. She thought, like, we had to, like, work, like get somebody to do it. I'm like, no, it's like, yeah, it's my, like, uh, like my last car I could do it. This one has been a conundrum, which, uh, again, I most male, average male accomplishments and duties, I fall short. So, 
don't know if that's a male accomplishment or just Boy. like an adequate human accomplishment. Well, that sounded like uh, sounded like there's like wiener issues. I don't know what I was saying there. All right, let's get to the game tonight. First of all, is there money line value on playing Georgia? I know people don't lay minus four eighty, but it's a thirteen and a half point favorite. I think there probably was earlier in the week. Right now, like this, because remember, like some spots like win bottomed out at minus eleven and a half and a pretty cheap money line price. I think now that we're getting closer to kickoff, that's about gone. But there was, and you know, it, it goes back to the conversation we talk about all the time, Steve. Right? Which is like, you, people assume you hear all the time, like, I don't lay prices over minus two dollars. Like, <laughs> well, if there's value in a number, there's value in a number. And the best and easiest example is always going back to McGregor and Mayweather, right? Uh, in that fight, I laid five fifty minus five fifty or like five twenty on Floyd Mayweather. That was one of the greatest value bets that has ever existed in betting, and that goes forward into some of these things. So yes, there was money line value. That was much earlier in the week as opposed to right now. But for those out there who don't think that prices of like 250 or higher can have value in them, value is not just the plus price. Value is just getting a price that is off market that should be higher than it really is. Do you want to play a side? Georgia minus 13.5 or a total or the total, 62.5. You want to go first half Georgia minus 7.5. What do you want? So I bet under 63.5 for the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think it kind of correlates to the side a little bit, right? I think if. If you believe in Georgia, which is I have, I'm very much leaning toward that end, then I think this is a game that goes under the total, right? That kind of reflects some of the Georgia victories that we saw throughout the year. The 45-7 beatdown of uh, Oregon that actually went under the total by the hook. Uh, the uh, suffocating of Tennessee, right? What they did to Florida. Like little games like that you saw where they really can't kind of grind their opponent down a little bit. And I think that's kind of the case. You know, TCU, too, remember, uh, they're starting running back, 1,400 yards on the ground this year, is a little dinged up, don't know if he's going to play here. Kendry Miller, uh, we'll see because he's warming up. That's a little bit of a blow for a team that does have a ton of depth at the skill positions. Uh, I think this is going to look a little bit more like the old Georgia victories that we saw a little bit uh, earlier in the year. So thus I bet it under. And by the way, my theory that it correlates to the total is playing on the betting market, right? We're seeing the market move toward Georgia up to 13.5 as we're seeing the total move down to 62.5 and 62 in some spots. So that's how I bet it. But I'd also say, too, Steve, I wouldn't be surprised if Sonny Dykes and the Horned Frogs come out and like are pretty competitive early on. Hmm. I wouldn't say no to TCU first half. Because now, remember, first half in the first quarter, we're talking about scripted plays. We're talking about game planning, getting ready for what you saw in the film. Once you get a little off script, maybe that's when TCU starts to lose it. But I played it under the total. Is there any value in you know Georgia between a certain – you know, number of victory, 7 and 12 points, 19 and 24, 25 points plus. You can get 25 points plus. That doesn't look like a great number. Plus 450, 19 to 24, plus 550, maybe value on the TCU side as a uh, dog. What do we do with these or just ignore them? I mean, I, I don't really say ignore them. Like, I'll, I'll use those more for the Super Bowl, but I correlate it more to the total than I like margin of victory. So, like, for example, one of my favorite things to do for Super Bowl props, and, you know, these will be available, uh, is – you know, find the total and then go, you know, and go find that index prop and play it. Like, there's brilliant times where you can get, like, you know, people will shoot for middles, right, when it comes to totals. I think the best example of this one was the Chiefs 49ers Super Bowl, if I remember correctly, where the total had, like, been bet down, like, three or four points. Well, they had an index prop where they had, like, you know, total points scored, and it was, like, 50 to 64. That was essentially the move on the total. And you played that for, like, plus 350 or whatever it was. So that's how I'll play those index props. Generally, I won't play them like you're talking about here in terms of margin of victory. I would say the most logical thing is find the logic, find the one that includes Georgia winning by about 14 points, and that's probably where you want to go because these numbers are pretty tight. And if you believe in the market, like a lot of us do, because they're pretty tight at this point right now, you'll probably be in a pretty good position to get that. 
John, you talked about the potential for TCU to come out uh, on fire a bit. Is there a trigger point for you live where you would want to get in on the spread with Georgia? Uh, I would, Adam, I'm probably going to look like if it gets under 10, right? Like if I can get like nine and a half for Georgia, I think that's where, like, that's where I would buy in on, on Georgia. And, and even that too, like, right, I think it's always important, like, just because it gets there doesn't mean you immediately fire. You want to see what the game situation is like, is somebody hurt, blah, 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 blah. But for me, my buy point today is going to be like nine and a half. And if it gets to nine and a half or better, then I'm going to be in on Georgia. JVT from VSIN is up with us for breaking down the national title game. That game is coming up in a little over an hour right here on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, let's play some props, you know, based on predictions for the game. Um, you mentioned starting running back issues with TCU. Max Duggan can run. Uh, I think this year, six times. He went over this rushing total of 31-and-a-half, and I think four of the six have been recent. This is a really good defense. George, I think they're a better run defense than pass defense. What do we do with over-under 31-and-a-half rushing yards with Max Duggan? I think I'd probably go over. I mean, if it, so just kind of vaguely playing out a game, a game script in my mind, if they're going to make them one-dimensional, that would mean that you know a lot is going to be on Max Duggan's shoulders. Uh, the by the way, the Bulldogs started getting a little bit more blitz happy in the second half of that game against Ohio State. That was when Ohio State's uh, wide receiver went down. But still, when they felt more comfortable matching up one on one, they went after him. I think they'd be feeling pretty comfortable here to go one on one. Johnson's pretty good, but outside of that, I think you're comfortable in your other matchup. So more blitzes means maybe some broken plays. Doug can get out of there, and on top of him being a mobile guy who they run already, I think I'd probably go over on Doug and rushing. What do we do with Stetson Bennett props? Uh, you can bet over under 284 and a half yards. You can bet him for MVP, but I mean he's an overwhelming favorite at minus 170. Yeah, so I'd rather I'm looking to go against Bennett. Like I did not think Bennett was that really that good. And if it plays out how I'm thinking, and you, you, for those who are listening, you know, always script these things out like how you generally think these games are going to go, right? Because as somebody who has bet this thing under, for example, I'm not going to go out and fire on overs for a bunch of these guys because it doesn't really jive with the way that I've bet this game. So, like, for Bennett, like I wasn't overly impressed, especially in the first half. I think if they're going to go the route that I think, which is going to be ball control and suffocating defense, that lends itself more to positive, like, Georgia rushing props for some of the other players and their running backs as opposed to Stetson Bennett, who I don't really think is going to be that impressive. So I'm going to be looking to go against Bennett, whether it's, like, underpassing yards, underpassing attempts, or if, if it's out there, I don't think it is, but like a no on something like that, Steve, to win like the MVP or whatever they're calling it, that would be something I'm looking at. Did you see the numbers I sent you on three unanswered scores? I always find this bet kind of intriguing. The yes, three unanswered scores, minus 330. Yeah, it happens a lot more than you think. I know that's like, the, the uh, again, kind of tying into the Super Bowl because it's a good comp. Like, it happens way more often than you think it is. So I don't like, and especially in college, right? And it ties into the score we see on the total, right? A high-scoring game means it could be pretty volatile. That means teams could probably rattle off some scores consecutively. Uh, it does happen more often. Now that's pretty high price, generally, as somebody who thinks it's going to be an under type of game. I would not think that is going to be the case, and I would look to play that under. Uh, but uh, anybody out there rushing to bet that no, it does happen more often than you believe it does in football. NFL wild card round: Giants, Vikes. Cowboys, Bucks, Seahawks, Niners, anything stick out for you, JVT? I, I have made a bet that I am not entirely proud of myself for, Steve, but I did bet the Buccaneers money line, and I did bet them at 30-1 to one for the Super Bowl. Um, I, I Look, I think, one, it, it's, it's anti-Cowboys, but I think you kind of quietly saw, like, the Carolina game was pretty good for Tampa Bay. Their offense is starting to break out a little bit here. They're starting to get more comfortable. Guys are starting to 
get their roles, and it's starting to get a little bit more explosive. The Cowboys, I thought, were a little bit of an overvalued team to begin with, and coming into this, I still believe that to be the case, especially when you see Dak Prescott play. And just look at the path, like kind of tying in the Super Bowl play. Look at the potential path for Tom Brady and the Bucks. If the Vikings hold serve and they win, you get to go to Philadelphia, a team that I think is so much flawed as a one seed in the NFC. Jalen Hurts, as we heard from quote yesterday, is not 100% healthy. Their defense is somewhat weak up front. That, I think, is a winnable game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then on to an NFC Championship game. It, yet you might run into the San Francisco 49ers, but then you're sitting at 30-1 to 1 on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the NFC Championship game. So I think the path is there for them, but I bet them at a plus price in terms of the money line against Dallas. And you mentioned the 49ers game. Uh, I laid 9.5 with them yesterday before it got to 10. I think it's a terrible matchup. The Seahawks' run defense is not very good. Uh, Brock Purdy's not going to have to do that much. And this defense is so good. Geno Smith who has really started to commit a lot of turnover where he plays over the last four or five weeks, I think he's going to run into a little bit of a buzzsaw here. So those are the two I made, at least in the games he mentioned. Yeah, John, I'm with you. I also laid that nine and a half before it got away. Uh, speaking of numbers that have started to get away a little bit, I had a friend say to me last night, well, you know, I'm – I'm looking at Cincinnati and Baltimore, and I'm going to wait to see if Lamar's in because if Lamar's in, the number might go down from from five and a half. And I said, no, 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 get it now if you want if you want Baltimore because the value in you know three and you know five and a half down to four three and a half is a lot different than if this thing passes seven. And guess what? We're already starting to see the sevens pop. So, what do you think about Cincinnati and Baltimore? Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm kind of I don't know what to do with this, Adam. Because so I actually, from a side perspective, I should say I don't know what to do. I think I'm going to bet this game under the total. We're sitting at like 43.5, I think, is the consensus number right now. You can correct me on it, but I think that's the number that's out there right now. I haven't checked like an hour. But like, I think while we don't know what's going on with, with Lamar Jackson and this offense, I don't think it's going to be very good, even if Lamar Jackson plays. But this defense has been great. Like Since they've gotten Roquan Smith, the, the Baltimore Ravens defense has been absolutely tremendous. And they do do some things that is giving Joe Burrow some problems. You know, that two-deep safety look, playing some really good coverage on the back end. Like, he's given Joe Burrow problems to the point where this offense just hasn't been as explosive. And they're divisional opponents, right? This is going to be the third time that they have played each other. There's a lot of familiarity there. I would look to play this game under the total than anything else. And I think playing that under the total obviously correlates to an underdog side here, even if Lamar Jackson is going to play or not. So I had a lean towards you know, Baltimore, but from a, an actual play standpoint, under the total is the direction I'm going with that one. Speaking of popular dogs, the Jacksonville Jaguars are one of them. This game opened two and a half, some spots, one and a half, some pick in many places now. 47 and a half the total. John, is Brandon Staley a savant who is playing nine-dimensional chess on all of us, and we just don't understand that they want him to uh, – he wants the opponents – to undervalue Mike Williams and think, oh, he's hurt, he can't do anything against us, and then Mike Williams will come like Willis Reed style and get 10 catches for 170 yards. Perhaps. So, I mean, they wanted momentum, right? They went out there and they won the game. Oh, momentum! So yes, they, momentum. Yeah, so they got momentum. Oh, wait, no, they lost the game. Um, no, like you're right. Like I don't really understand it. You're also already at a rest disadvantage, right? Because you're playing on Saturday, so you played these guys in, all, in like and Jacksonville got to play the day before, so it's not that like they're at a rest disadvantage. I, I didn't really understand it. I, I'll say this. I think, like, I'm not going to bet this game, Adam, and I would lean toward Jacksonville. Because one of the things that kind of bothers me here, too, is outside of everything we've already mentioned, at lowest average depth of target, or one of the lowest average depth of targets in the National Football League amongst quarterbacks is Justin Herbert. And the weakness for Jacksonville is the secondary. Are they actually going to run an offense that allows him to test the secondary, goes downfield? And if they do, is a half-healthy Mike Williams going to help you out? So I think all those things kind of put together – 
I, I kind of tend to lean toward Jacksonville here. Their quick passing attack negates some of the good pass rush uh, that the Los Angeles Chargers can bring to the table. They're not overly reliant on their running attack. The, the Jacksonville Jaguars are strong up front against the run, top 10 team in terms of EPA per play defensively against the run. They could probably bottle up Eckler if they're trying to run the ball against the Los Angeles Chargers. I think a lot points in the direction of Jacksonville here. So it's not one that I have, like, really strongly feel about. I think teasing Jacksonville up to like seven or if it gets to like one and a half, get to seven and a half, I think would be a very popular leg. Tease them up with the Buccaneers. Uh, but I, that, that's the way I was leaning. Nothing really strongly, but I do think Jacksonville's going to win and move on. Yeah, I went Wong adjacent uh, when it was six and a half on the Cincinnati Bengals. Took that down, took the Jaguars up to seven. Um, I cannot get involved with betting the New York Giants. My Heart is already going to be in my throat watching this franchise in a playoff game. Uh, two teams that basically have been able to maximize the variance on one-score wins this year, and I think yep. the spread basically says that with it being a three-point spread. We have about one can minute you, left, John. One minute. Can I can I convince you to play like a team total over or a game over? Mm. Right, like for Jay, because I think I think that's the way you're looking at it, right? I think Gable's good enough that he's going to be able to scheme up some offense. This is going to be a high-scoring and volatile affair. We're starting to see the total tick up. I think that's what I wanted to do with this, Adam, because I'm with you. You tell me one of these teams wins this game, I would believe it. But I think it's got to be pretty high-scoring, similar to what we saw them play earlier this year. I, I think 22-and-a-half is the team total for New York. I, I, maybe I can convince you to do that. I'll think about it. <laughs> okay, there you go. John, what do you got coming up the rest of the week at Vison? I'm on tomorrow again. We got the podcast, Harvard Handicappers, the write-ups every single day. Saturdays are live. Same thing with Sunday, starting at 9 a.m. Uh, there's a lot. It changes every single day. What time are you on tomorrow? Uh, 1 p.m. There you go. All right, John. We appreciate it. Thank you. You got it, man. Thank you. John Von Tobel, the spot to watch the national title game tonight. Georgia TCU is Twin Peaks on Eastern. Willie Ramirez from ESPN Las Vegas is on the scene. Great specials.